The following message comes to you from the pulpit of Macedonia Primitive Baptist Church in Ackerman, Mississippi. We invite you to visit Macedonia Primitive Baptist Church for worship services every Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. Macedonia is located at 11 Staten Road on Highway 15, five miles north of Ackerman, Mississippi. For more information about Macedonia Primitive Baptist Church, you may visit our website at macedonia-pbc.org. I'd like to continue to consider a topical survey of a first John making our way to the Gospel of John. And uh, I would say there's three primary themes that we find in both the Gospel of John that I believe the Apostle John elaborates on in the Epistle of First John. Those primary ones, those three primary topics being life, light, and love. Life, light, and love. And we considered life last time and this evening. We would like to focus on light. Focus on light. And light obviously goes all the way back to the beginning, doesn't it? So we're going to, first of all, go to Genesis 1, and then go to John 1, and then eventually go to 1 John 1. So let's go to Genesis 1. And I think for all three of these topics, these are both, uh, all three of these are attributes of God. You know, there's only a few things that God takes the title of himself. He has a lot of attributes, but there's only a few things that he takes the title of himself, and he actually takes the title of all three of these things. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. So God is life, right? God is life. We also know that God is light. We're going to find that, in, particularly in John chapter 1. God is light. And also, from 1 John, God is love. So life, light, and love, they, they define the attributes of God. And they describe God's eternal essence and God's nature. And God gave us eternal life. He is eternal light and he has eternal love. But there's also an aspect of these that we really, there's much we can say about light and many of these other topics, but especially light this evening. Um, we could say a lot about these. But uh, the, the application that I believe we should have from this is not just the concept that God is light. But the admonition in 1 John is that because God is light and in him is no darkness at all, then you ought to walk in the light. And I believe that's true of all three of those topics. God's given us eternal life, but he expects us to live the abundant life. He is eternal light, but he expects us to believe the light of the gospel and to walk in the light. And then we've been saved by his eternal love. God is love, but then... By this shall all men know that you are my disciples. By what? By the way you love one another. So each of these has a practical aspect in our life. Okay? So light is introduced in the beginning of the Bible, in the beginning of Genesis chapter 1. And we're going to read this in just a little bit. But it says in 1 John chapter 1 that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. God is light, and in Him is no darkness at all. But before God imposed His nature upon creation, you know, think about all three of those things, life, light, and love. Before He imposed His attributes upon creation, none of that existed. 
right? There wasn't any life. It was nothing but darkness. And there wasn't any love yet. And Satan tried to introduce hatred in light of God's attribute of love. So what was there before God opened the throne room of heaven, so to say, and allowed the light to shine onto creation? Uh, I, I feel like that you've probably heard before uh, messages that focus on uh, the fourth day, because it wasn't until the fourth day where God actually commands for lights to be in the firmament, one light to shine in the day, and then the lesser light to shine at night, which would be the moon. It wasn't until the fourth day that God made the sun that gives us light here in our solar system, but it was on the first day in verse 3 that God said, let there be light, and there was light. So there was light prior to the sun in our solar system, right? Well, how did that sun show? How did that light show up? It showed up by God just, for lack of a better term, opening the door to allow creation to see His character and His attributes and His glory. You know, think about a dark, uh, a dark room, and the other room has light in it. What happens when you open the door? Aren't you glad, by the way, God's light in Him is no darkness at all, that there is no, there's no struggle for light to overcome darkness. Right. You know, darkness is just the absence of light. And what happens when light shows up? You know, what we don't find, we know that uh, it's been quite a while since seventh grade science, but... Uh, Light travels at what, 186,000 miles per second or something like that? Well, when, when, uh, when we turn on the light, what we don't see is this great struggle and battle between light and darkness to see who wins and see if the light comes on, right? We don't see that struggle. Why? Because light always just conquers darkness. And isn't it good to know that we have the kingdom of light and, and Satan's kingdom is a kingdom of darkness? <laughs> That, that light always just fully conquers and consumes and overwhelms darkness. And that's what happened in creation, right? In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. I've been trying to think about this today, and I really can't, as many times I've read this, I really can't have any kind of a mental image of what this looked like, you know? Darkness was on, up on the face of the deep, whatever that was. But there was some waters there, too. The Spirit moved upon the face of the waters. There was some water there. Water is another very important uh, topic all throughout the Bible uh, that describes the Holy Spirit and many other things. But water was there. Darkness was there on the face of the deep. But it's really hard for me to envision, prior to there being an earth, what this even was. But what was it characterized by? What, what's the point, though? It's characterized by darkness. It's characterized by darkness. And that's certainly the case before God imposes his nature on that. But then God said, let there be light. And was there this great struggle between the darkness that was on the face of the deep and then the light? And then after, you know, a couple days of battle... Uh, the light finally won out, and then the light ended up shining. <laughs> well, know what happened. God said, let there be light, and guess what? There was light. Amen. 
God just imposed his nature, his attributes upon creation, and it fully took that form. And it, again, it wasn't until the fourth day that God got around to actually creating the sun and the moon that, get, that gives light to our individual solar system. But there was much more light in the whole universe prior to the sun that gives light to our solar system. And I just can't read this account of Genesis, especially that fourth day, and God creating the sun and the moon, without highlighting in verse 16, just so casually at the end of that verse, He made the stars also. He made the stars also. And how many billions of stars there are. And think about it from maybe the, the opposite perspective uh, from other universes, if you can think about that. Our, our sun is so big and it's a consuming ball of fire that gives uh, warmth and light to all of our solar system. But from other universes, it's just a little bitty twinkling star just like we look at. Okay? And it's just amazing to think all of those billions of stars out there and that all of them individually are actually, many of them are so much even bigger than our sun. And the magnitude of creating those billions of stars and then the Lord said, oh yeah, I made the stars also. Just as an afterthought. I just kind of, what's the language in one of our songs? He flung the stars out into space. You know, just like picking up some, some sand and just kind of throwing it in the wind. He, he just flung the stars out into space. All of those billions of massive balls of fire, you know. He just made the stars also, right? So God is light. He's characterized by light and we see him imposing that light upon creation there in Genesis 1. And then let's go to John chapter 1 and we find the gospel of John begins very similar to Genesis and the beginning of the whole Bible. Very similar. John chapter 1 <clears throat> verse 1. In the beginning was the Word and the Word was with God and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him. And I believe there in Genesis chapter 1, we can see all three members of the Trinity. We can see that God, in the beginning was God, and He made the heaven and the earth. The Spirit moved upon the face of the waters, and God said, which is the Word. So we have the Word of God speaking to create those things. In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word was God. All things were made by Him. And was not anything made that was made. In him was life. That's one of the attributes of God, right? That we've been considering. In him was life. And the life was the light of men. The light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehendeth it not. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. The same came for a witness to bear witness of the light. And that's capital L, light. So he's characterized by light. He is identified by capital L, light, to bear witness of the light that all men through him might believe. Now, John was not that light, but he was sent to bear witness of that light. Verse 9, that was the true light which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. So Jesus was the true light, right? He was the light, the capital L, light. 
And just as the nature of God was manifested in this world in creation, the nature and the power of God, of God manifest in the flesh, was, was imparted to this world when God became a man, right? When the, when the true light came to, to declare the glory of God to his creation. In John chapter 3, this is right after a description of the love of God. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Then skipping down to verse 19. This is the condemnation that light is come into the world. He says later on in John chapter 8 and verse 12, I am the light of the world. Christ is the light of the world. And now he's going back up to heaven. And now he has called his children to be the light of the world, right? We are the light of the world. He manifested his light and his glory for a period of time, but then he went back to heaven. And now he has given us that commission to continue to shine the light of Jesus Christ into this dark world, right? He is the light of the world. But surprise, surprise, the world is not the biggest fan of the light. The world doesn't really like light being shown. Why? Because the world primarily sits in darkness, this is condemnation, verse 19 of John 3, that light has come into the world and men loved darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. Everyone that doeth evil hateth the light, neither cometh to the light, lest his deeds be re reproved. He that doeth truth cometh to the light, that his deeds may be made manifest, that they are wrought in God. And that's why, especially those those scribes and Pharisees, they gave a pretense of godliness. They gave a pretense of religion to the people around them. And they could fool them. Those wolves in sheep's clothing, they, they had a really good sheep suit. I mean, they, they looked pretty good to outside people. But what happened when the light of the world came and started shining light on all their deeds? Well, now all of a sudden, it became manifest that they were in darkness. And boy, they didn't like that, did they? They didn't like, they put the Son of God, the true light, to death <laughs> because they hated Him as the light of the world, shining vision upon their own darkness. And that should not be surprising to us when we are called to let our light shine. And there's a reason why people that, that hate God, and boy, we have just seen that manifested so clearly in this these last few months with the overturning of Roe versus Wade, and we have seen just the vile darkness and wickedness of the depravity of man manifested in a much more public way than we have seen before. And what happens when you, as a just a sincere, loving child of God, just simply says, I believe that life comes from God at conception Jeremiah chapter 1 and verse 5, before you were formed in the womb, I knew you. Psalm 139, I mean, just simply lovingly saying, not only is this what the Bible says, but you just have to be given over to a reprobate mind to deny the scientific reality that, that a child in the womb is a child. I mean... You just have to be given over to a reprobate mind to not understand that. And then if you, if you have a conversation with someone and you just very gently and lovingly express to them that truth, for some reason, 
they don't respond in the same way. For some reason, they respond with hatred. You see, now that's the difference between a child of God, as we see manifest in the book of Acts, a child of God being pricked in the heart, and then there's some people that are cut to the heart. Why is it that people react in such a vitriolic way when you just kindly, gently say, thus saith the word of the Lord? Why? Because most of the time, people don't like a spotlight being shown on them when they're living in darkness and they're living in sin. Amen. They don't like the spotlight. And you don't even have to go around trying to shine your spotlight on people. You just living a godly life and being the light of the world, you will just by your faithfulness to God and by your natural disposition, you will shine light into areas that people don't really want people seeing. Okay? And don't be surprised when people don't like that. Don't be surprised when you have people that are living in darkness. And this, this is true of unregenerates. But, boy, it's true of children of God that are choosing to live in darkness. Yeah. Especially um, in the role of being a pastor. I'll tell you, there, there's many children of God that are not a big fan of pastors shining a spotlight on when they're living in darkness. And having those conversations to say, I see the path that you're on, and I'm counseling you against that, I'm shining light on it, and instead of them receiving it with, with love and humility and turning to the right way, instead, they just get mad at the light. <laughs> they just get mad at the person that's shining the light on that. And there are many of God's children, unfortunately, that have lived in sin for a long period of time, and they're living on a day-in, day-out basis in darkness. They're born again. They have the light of the world residing inside of them, but they're choosing to live in darkness. In our uh, Bible reading that we go through at Macedonia, we, we've been, I'm behind myself, but Bethany's caught up, uh, and she's been asking me a lot of questions about Saul. And think about Saul as a child of God, a child of God. He spent most of his life in darkness. Right. He spent most of his life. And what happens when you're in darkness? You know, what happens when you get up in the middle of the night and you can't see where you're going? And how many toes have you broken in the middle of the night, right? Because you can't see where you're going. You, you are going to be in a lot of danger if you don't have good vision. And what does light give? It gives vision. The, the gospel gives vision, by the way. We're not going to, I'll give you these real quick. Uh, Y'all have heard this many times. But we know that the gospel brings life and immortality to light, right? right. It doesn't give life, it manifests light. And there are some people in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 that the God of this world had blinded the minds of children of God lest they should believe and the light of the glorious gospel would come unto them. What's the remedy for darkness? If, God, if uh, Satan has confused their mind and they're blinded, what's the remedy for that? The light of the gospel, right? And that's what the Word of God brings. And also, just in a very practical sense, not even the, uh, the gospel of salvation by grace alone. Now, that brings light and it brings joy and peace for God's children, but also just the practical admonitions that you have 
in the Bible. In Psalm 119 and verse 105, thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path, right? Well, what happens when you remove yourself from, first of all, your personal daily devotion of reading the word of God? But what happens when you remove yourself from the preaching of God's word in the assembly of the saints? Well, you're losing a lot of light, aren't you? You're, you're, you're depriving yourself of a lot of light. And what happens when you, when you don't have a lot of light? All of a sudden, things start getting a lot dimmer. They start getting a lot dark. And then, if you have clear vision, you can see a danger coming a long ways away, can't you? But you can't see it coming when you don't have light. Think about Saul. Think about Lot. He lived most of his life in darkness. And he chose to, to uh, post up in a place that was consumed by darkness for his, own, for his own gain and for his own advancement. Many other examples we could give that, that children of God that weren't as, as we're told here. This is where I'm trying to get to. Ephesians chapter 5 and in verse 8. You were sometimes darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. And praise God for that, right? That our soul was just as, as much of a dark abyss as natural creation was. Well, what did God do in regeneration? He shined his light into the face of the deep of your heart, right? He gave you a new heart, and he, he borned you again. And, and that's done so, just like how, and this is a great doctrinal point, isn't it? Just like we've said that darkness cannot reject light at all. A dead person can't reject life, right? You don't have the ability to reject life. Well, darkness doesn't have the ability to reject light, do you? Do you think a, a child, uh, someone that's, that's unregenerate, that's sitting in, sitting in darkness, has the ability to, to withstand the sovereign work of the Holy Spirit on your heart when He decides to shine light on you? Do you think that darkness had the ability to reject the sovereign creation of the Word of God in Genesis 1? Do you think darkness had the ability to reject that? Well, you have just as much ability to reject the sovereign work of the Holy Spirit in regeneration, right? So we praise God for that, for that fact, right? That we are in the light because God gave us light and He took away our darkness. But here's the real challenge for those of us that have been given the light of the Lord. You, you were sometimes darkness, but now you're light. Now, the admonition to us is to walk as children of light. Okay? We've been given light, but now we're commanded to walk as children of light. Following the light of the world. Following the pattern of Christ that we now can be the light of the world. And see, many children of God, why is it that they're not walking in the light? Why is it? Well, there's a lot of reasons for that. One of the main reasons is because they are not having the light of the gospel and the light of God's word manifested in their life because they're not regularly attending worship. They're not studying it themselves. They're not, they're, God's given us this light. <laughs> we know, right, when you open up light, God, uh, light automatically comes out. But what happens if I have this Bible right here and this is all light and light's beaming out? What happens when I close this? Light's not coming out, is it? <laughs> but what if, if light is in this book and I open it up, what immediately comes out? Light comes out, right? So, <laughs> I love children of God that say, well, I just really wish the Lord would give me some light on this subject. Well, are you praying for light with your Bible closed? 
Well, you know a really good way for light to be manifested? Step number one, open up the Bible, right? <laughs> if, if you think that you're not having enough vision and clarity about something, but your Bible's closed, you want to know the best way for you to get some light all of a sudden? Open the Bible up, right? Amen. And guess what? The Word will be a lamp unto your feet and a light unto your path. So, we've been brought into light by Jesus Christ, but now the real challenge for us on a day-in, day-out basis is to walk as children of light, right? To walk as children of light. So now, let's go to 1 John chapter 1. 1 John chapter 1. <clears throat> now, the first few verses of this, he's saying that the life has been made manifest. Jesus Christ, the Word of God, the life was manifested in this world and we felt His presence. We felt His warmth. One good thing about light is that it gives warmth, doesn't it? It, it, it uh, raises the temperature. It can give you a lot of warmth on a very cold day. So, what's another remedy? <laughs> if we are maybe not as zealous and not as, as uh, if we're lukewarm, well, uh, Christ talked to the uh, church at Laodicea, and you're lukewarm, I wish you were cold or wish you are hot. Well, what's one of the best ways to get hot? One of the best ways is to get a little bit closer to the light, right? <laughs> get a little bit closer to the light. And then the other end of that is the farther we drift away from the light, by, by nature, the colder we're going to get. So how do you warm up a little bit? Get closer to the light, right? Abide in the light. So he's saying here at the beginning of this epistle that Christ is life. We felt life. We touched him. We saw him manifest all these things in his ministry. But now we have the ability to fellowship with the life, Jesus Christ, in the same way here in the New Testament kingdom that we did in a physical way. We can manifest that fellowship with him in a spiritual sense here in his kingdom. Okay? So he focuses on life, and then he pivots to light. Okay? Verse 5 of 1 John chapter 1. This then is the message which we have heard of him and declare unto you that God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. So one of the names that God takes for himself is light. God is light. And it's also true that in him is light and in him is no darkness at all. And this is another just 100% and zero proposition, isn't it? Uh, now I understand there are varying degrees of light. Sometimes things may look more dim and, and, and our, from our vantage point from the way that our eyes receive uh, the, the environment around us. But I want you to think about, is there any place where there is a 50-50 uh, shared space of darkness and light? Right? Is there, is there any place you know of where it's like literally like 50% light and 50% darkness? No. It's either light or darkness. It's 100% or zero, right? God is light, and in Him is no darkness at all, right? 
That's just the nature of light. The nature of light is no darkness. Right? The nature of light is no darkness. Verse 6. So since that's true, since that's true, the nature of light is no darkness. If we say we have fellowship with Him, if we say we have fellowship with the true light, if we say we have fellowship with the light and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. Now the Apostle John, there is just no lukewarm middle ground with the Apostle John. I'll tell you, he just tells you like it is. And praise God for the rest of Scripture where we can have a little bit of uh, more explanations of some of the context that he delivers here. Because otherwise, it really would feel like uh, some people accuse the primitive Baptists of thinking it's going to be us four no more in heaven. <laughs> you read 1 John and you're like, it may not be four. <laughs> I mean, it may only be two up there. I mean, he sets the bar pretty high, right? Now, but if you receive it properly, though, he's not trying to make anybody. He goes out of his way to say, look, I'm writing this so you can have bold assurance. I'm not writing this so you walk around all the time doubting if you're a saved child of God. That's not the purpose of, of this epistle. And he makes that very clear. But you also need to understand what the standard is and evaluate ourselves against, as it says in the first chapter of James, look into that perfect law of liberty. You need to know what the standard is. And when you compare yourself against that standard, you will realize that you don't meet up. Now, praise God for the rest of this epistle, right? That he says, look, if just in case this convicts you, and it should convict all of us. None of us are walking in the light in the manner that we ought to. But we sure are thankful for the, for the rest of the balance of this epistle where it says in verse 8, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. So if you pretend like that you're walking perfectly in the light, well, you need to repent because you're a liar. Not only are you a liar, but you're just self-deceived if you think that. Now, now he's going on and tell everybody, all right, you're all sinners, so none of you make the cut. <laughs> well, what's the next verse? Well, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us, right? So what he's saying is this is the bar. None of you beat the bar, but you need to confess your sins and do better and strive to press toward the mark of the prize of the high calling of God, right? But... Just take these verses for what they mean and evaluate your own conscience. And I can't do that for you. But I pray the Holy Spirit will allow you to do that. I can't answer this question for you. I can't answer the degree to which you're walking as children of light. I can't answer the degree to which you're loving your brethren in the manner that we're called to. But you, the Lord, and the Holy Spirit know that. The Lord knows, and He will convict you appropriately. Verse 6. If we say we have fellowship with Him, and if we say we have fellowship with Him, we are proclaiming a very bold position that comes a great deal of responsibility. Okay? You know, I know people that have lived in such a way we're just talking about it in a natural sense, not in a church sense or in a spiritual sense. But I know people that have had good, godly parents, that they had, they had cultivated a good name for generations. A good name is rather to be chosen than great riches. They've, they've cultivated a good, godly name. But some of those children, the way that they act, I would say you had to have been adopted. 
You know? You, you can't have that last name. You can't have... I'm sorry, Sister Amy. <laughs> I'm glad we got a good one. We got, we got a good adoptee in the, in the audience uh, this evening. But the point is, though, they impugn the family name to where it's so contradictory to the godly name that, it's, that they're like, you know what? It doesn't even make sense that they could have that name. You know, and I, and I know people like that. And you multiply that times about a billion. Do you understand the great privilege that we have of being adopted into the family of God and been given the name of Christ? Everywhere you go, you are carrying the name of Christ with you. And how sad that a child of God would act in such a way to impugn the family name. We ought to never do that. We ought, and we ought to have that. In the, in the front of our mind at all times. I am representing Jesus Christ and God the Father everywhere I go. And I don't want to do anything to impugn the family name. If we say we have fellowship with Him, and you, and you need to profess you have fellowship with Him, you need to confess your sins and join the church and, and say, I'm choosing to walk as a, as a child of light to the best of my ability. We need to publicly uh, align ourselves with Jesus Christ in the church. We need to say we have fellowship with Him. But when you say that publicly, there are some implications that come along with that profession. If we say we walk with Him, we say we have fellowship with Him, but your actions don't back it up, the Apostle John and the Holy Spirit says, we lie and we do not the truth. That doesn't mean you're not a child of God, but you are not professing. Jesus Christ is the truth. That's, a, that's another attribute of himself, that he took that title. Well, if you're representing the truth, how sad would it be that we represent the truth here in this world, but people understand that we don't tell the truth, that we bear false witness, that we disobey that commandment? How sad would it be that, that the testimony of the impression of, of other people to us is not that we magnify the truth, instead we magnify deceit, and whispering and backbiting and gossip, okay? If we say we have fellowship with Him, but we walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. We need to do the truth. If we walk in the light, now this is the other, that's the negative. That's another thing that's very interesting about the way that the Apostle John writes his epistle. Is he always starts with the bad news first. You know, he always starts with the negative and then he encourages you on the back end with the positive, which most of the time people don't do that, right? <laughs> they try to encourage you first and then gently and lovingly rebuke you later. But he usually starts with the negative. But then, don't, don't quit reading after he, he uh, rebukes you with the negative. But if we walk in the light, and that's what we're called to do, right? To walk in the light. If we walk in the light as he is in the light, and boy, that... That's the standard, isn't it? The standard is Christ. We're going to see the same thing with love. We're commanded to love as Christ has loved. That's the standard. We're called to walk in the light as He is in the light. We're called to love as Christ. That's the standard. Okay? And if you do that, if you walk in the light as He is in the light, and none of us do that perfectly, but we sure want to strive to do better, if you do that then we have fellowship one with another 
and the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanseth us from all sin. Now, now does that mean that if you don't walk in the light, if you walk in darkness, you have to walk in light for Him to cleanse you from your sin. So if you stray into darkness, that means that either you lose your salvation or you were never a child of God to start with and the blood does not cleanse you. Well, this is not an eternal application. How many children of God, because of them living in sin, live in total despair to not have peace and assurance that the blood of Christ has cleansed them? Okay? You're removing that blessing of peace and the assurance if you do not walk in the light. But if we walk in the light as He is in the light, then we have fellowship one with another. And then connecting this to the discussion of life that he had a few chapters, a few verses before that, if we have fellowship one with another, then that's when we have fellowship with Christ. You see? So it's not just that we have fellowship one with another, walk as children of light, and praise God for the fellowship and the friendships that we have in the kingdom of God when we're all walking in light together. But the real beauty of that, though, is not just the fellowship and the friendship we have with our kindred in the church as we're all trying to walk in light together, the real beauty of that is that our fellowship is not only with them, our fellowship is with Jesus Christ. You know, it says where two or three are gathered together in my name, there am I in the midst of them. Well, if two or three people are gathered and walking in the light of Jesus, don't you think that that's a place that Jesus will choose to manifest His presence? You see? We have fellowship with Jesus when we walk in the light. And I, I'm thankful for the fellowship I have with you when walking in the light. But my desire is not solely fellowship with you. It's fellowship with Christ. And we have fellowship with Christ when we walk in the light together. And we also have the important structure of the church to encourage one another to exhort us to walk together in light. God put that structure in place for us. So we can walk in light and fellowship with Jesus in the light. Now in chapter 2, 1 John chapter 2, and in verse 1 John chapter 2 and in verse 7. Brethren, I write no new commandment unto you, but an old commandment which ye have had from the beginning. The old commandment is the word which ye have heard from the beginning. Again, a new commandment I write unto you. It's new, but it's old. It's as old as creation. What was the first thing in creation? Light, right? A new commandment I write unto you. Which thing is true in him and in you? Because the darkness is past and the true light now, now shineth. Use that same language, true light. Now this is where the rubber meets the road. Verse 9. He that saith he's in the light. You're walking in the light. He that saith he is in the light and hateth his brother is in darkness even until now. He that loveth his brother abideth in the light. And there is none occasion of stumbling in him. See, that's what happens when you're not walking in the light. You stumble, right? And what happens when you stumble? You get injured. You get hurt. There is none occasion of stumbling in with him. But he that hateth his brother is in darkness and walketh in darkness and knoweth not whether he goeth because that darkness hath blinded his eyes. 
Jesus said in the Gospels, you blind guides. Isn't it? I mean, it's bad enough for somebody to be blind and them be getting themselves into all, all kinds of trouble because they can't see where they're going. But isn't it really pitiful to see other people following somebody who's blind? <laughs> now you're having a whole group that's, that's uh, confused and stumbling around and in darkness. And not only is there danger for one person, but now there's danger for the entire group. Why? Because you're not walking in the light. And then the next message will be love. God is love, but we're commanded to love one another. But then he connects it to light right there. If you say you're in the light, if you say you're fellowshipping with Jesus, who is love, how can you truly have that intimate fellowship with Jesus and abide in the light and abide in his love if you hate your brother in your heart? You see? That's the... the uh, truly the heart of the matter that Jesus gets down to in the Sermon on the Mount. That if you hate your brother in your heart, then you are a murderer before God's eyes. Now the other end of the spectrum there is that we love our brother. And then he goes on to say in the next chapter, by this we know, we have confidence that we've passed from death into life. Why? Because we love the brethren. If you love the brethren, that means the light of Jesus Christ abides in you. Now, what's the, what's the admonition? Walk in the light. How do you walk in the light? Go love your brother, right? Get, get over these, these petty grudges that you've had for 20 years. Somebody said something to you 20 years ago. Who do you think you are? Who do you think you are that you have the right to hold, hold a grudge of something somebody said 20 years ago? Amen. Come on. Get over yourself. If the Son of God was willing to come to die for your sins on a cross for much worse than some petty offense, how dare we hold a grudge for 20 years because somebody said something to me? Amen. That's pitiful. That's dishonoring the family name. <laughs> That's dishonoring the family name. Walk in the light. Walk in the light. And the, the primary way that we walk in the light, we're, we're called to be the light of the world. And he said, by this shall all men know that you're my disciples. Not the way that you love your enemies. No, we're commanded to love our enemies. We need to be kind to them. We need to do our best to be kind and gracious to those who hate us. But he said, not that you're going to manifest to the world that you're my disciples by the way that you love your enemies. You're going to manifest that you're in the light by the way you love one another. By the way you love brothers and sisters in Christ. By the way you love people in the church. That's the standard. That's the standard. And God help us, by His grace, to walk in the light and to meet that standard. Amen? Amen. To walk in the light, to love our brothers and sisters in Christ, to manifest. Because when we do that, when we love one another in the manner that we ought to, that is when the light of the world is beaming out to the darkness of this world. And that's when other men can see your good works. What are, now, there are good works that we can have and we can be charitable and we can help people that are in need. We can change tires. We can um, help people in a financial way. But when it says that men may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven, I think that's primarily talking about love. Love. 
love to one another. And that is the light that beams out to the rest of the world. And the world hates it, but I think there's some children of God that may be attracted to that light. Let's be the light of the world. Abide in the light. Shine out that light to the best of our ability. Love one another as we ought to, to the best of our ability, as Christ has loved the church, and to walk in the light. We thank you for listening to today's message and invite you to visit Macedonia Primitive Baptist Church for worship services every Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. Macedonia is located at 11 Staten Road on Highway 15, five miles north of Ackerman, Mississippi. For further information about Macedonia Primitive Baptist Church, you may visit our website at macedonia-pbc.org.